Look at this text with me, if you would. Mark 10. Appreciate Matthew's reading it a few minutes ago. Uh, man, this is a... I think, I think Mark wants us to laugh when we read this story. I really do. I think he wants us to read this and think how ridiculous these guys are acting. You know, how, how, how crazy they're acting. I, th- I, think, I think Mark wants us to read it like that. This story is told in other gospel accounts, and there are other things that happen to lead us to the conclusion that this was not an isolated event for the disciples, for the apostles. They struggled with self-promotion. Uh, you know, we come to the end of this year, and we've talked some about this in recent months, but uh, maybe you're getting tired of hearing about uh, the difficulty of the year. I guess you experience it. Um, I think it's important for us when we come to worship to reflect on what's going on and how God might be preparing us and using us and shaping us through events that are going on around us. And I think it's important for us as the church to ask ourselves corporately, collectively, like the body itself, how are we doing and how are we being a blessing to the world? And then we ought to ask ourselves individually, how is God using me? How is He using you? What's He doing in your life individually, personally, to use you to, to shape other people, to help other people, to be a blessing to the people around you? you know? Anxious times. Anxious times. I don't know, again, I've said this a couple of times this month especially, I don't know how you are emotionally, how you're doing emotionally, I don't know how you're doing spiritually. Uh, I suppose if we asked that question and we were honest with one another, some of us would be struggling and some of us would be doing okay probably, you know, if we're just doing some self-evaluation. I know that many of us have struggled and are struggling with different experiences and uncertainties, looking ahead to the future and wondering what's going to happen. And so there are anxieties that we are experiencing. What do we do with them? We, we go to God in prayer. We talked about that the first Sunday in December. We read Scripture. We reflect on what God says to us. We listen to the voice of God and ask Him, Lord, speak. Let me hear. Let me see what it is you want me to learn. We talked about that the second Sunday in December. And today we close out this year by talking about doing what God wants to, to, us to do with our prayers and with our Scripture, right? So we don't just pray. We don't just read we got to live, and, and so we go out on Monday morning and Thursday afternoon and, and, and Saturday, and we do the things that God has called us to do, and then in the midst of anxiety, the easy thing for us to do is to become, kind of turn everything in on ourselves. It's kind of a natural reaction. Merv prayed about that. It is a very natural thing for us to be self-centered. It, it just doesn't take any work. I mean, it just happens. You don't have to do anything to become self-centered. Especially when anxiety presses in on us, the tempting thing for us to do is to just go inward and become obsessed about our own struggles and our own problems, our own nervousness and our own anxiety and our own stresses, and, and to forget that that is not the way Christians are supposed to live. You know, we don't, it's not the way He called us to live. So let's look at Mark 10 and let's think about these 10 or 11 verses here. And actually, I'm going to go back and read a couple of verses just prior to that. This is the easy way. This is the all-about-me way. The allure of self-promotion. It comes pretty naturally, and there's not a person in this room who doesn't fall prey to this. So I hope you're not thinking about somebody else in this room or somebody else out there who needs to hear this. Every one of us, 
I need it, and you need it, because this is, this is humanity, all right? This is just us. This is, this is a struggle. I've never met a single person who does a struggle with this in some way, all right? So this is, this is to all of us, these words from Mark as he tells us this story about Jesus. Now, I didn't ask Matthew to read these four verses just prior to this, these three verses just prior to this. little paragraph here, but I think it's relevant. I want to go back and look at it. You got, you got your Bible there? Mark 10, look at verse 32. So they're on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Uh, he had been talking to some about what was coming, and so some people were afraid about what was going to happen. Taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Verse 33, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests, the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he'll rise. So that's the three verses just prior to our little story here. So he, he takes them aside, and he's just the 12, all right? He separated himself, himself and, and, and these guys from everybody else, and he wants to give them a little private lesson. And uh, in that little private lesson, he says, all right, we're going to Jerusalem, and you know what's going to happen there? I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to kill me. Uh, prior to my death, they're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to flog me, and then they're going to kill me. After three days, I will rise. That's pretty heavy stuff, right? I mean, that's pretty heavy He's just had this little conversation, and it just said some of them were afraid. And instead of taking them aside and saying, look, hey, guys, everything's going to be okay. Now, he would share that message in, in some ways, but he doesn't take them away and like try to, try to encourage them, lift them up, and say, hey, don't worry about it. Things are going to turn out fine when we get there. You don't have to worry about this. You know, Don't be afraid. Instead, he takes them aside, and he says, hey, guys, we're going to go there. And this stuff is going to happen to me. It's going to get bad. And so he, you know, he doesn't encourage them, really. He just takes them aside and says, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be pretty rough. And you know what they do? That leads us into our text. Isn't this amazing? This, again, I think we're supposed to laugh at this. It's okay. It's okay to do that. It's going to be rough. They're going to treat me horribly. They're going to kill me. I'll rise on the third day. And James and John come up to him and they say, that brings us, that kind of, um, that leads us to this question. We've been thinking about something, just kind of throw it out there um, and see maybe if you can make this happen. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. And that, I mean, when I heard, uh, you know, I've read this, of course, but. When I heard Matthew read that again a few minutes ago, I thought, wow, doesn't that, how does that strike you? James and John have just listened to Jesus say to them, I'm about to go through a horrible experience. And James and John respond to that, apparently, by going to Jesus and saying, okay, here's what we want you to do for us. Do this for us. I mean, isn't that amazing? Doesn't that strike you as just being incredible, <coughs> unbelievable, that at that particular moment, this is what they're thinking about? Now, if you look at some of the other gospel accounts, you'll know that on the very night of Jesus' betrayal and arrest, that Thursday night, Luke, Luke helps us to see this more clearly. 
Uh, Jesus, just, just, to, just to help you to see, this is not just an isolated thing. It's not like it has just happened one time. On that Thursday night, Jesus is taking the, the Last Supper with him. He's eating the Passover meal, and he's taking the wine, the bread and the wine, and he says to them, this bread is going to represent my body, which is given for you. This is going to represent my blood, which is shed for you. Uh, this do in remembrance of me. I mean, this is a very somber occasion at the Last Supper when he takes that and he helps them to see what is about to happen the next day. And it is at that very meal, according to Luke's gospel account, that they're arguing again about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Who's the greatest? Who's number one? And so this is something that it didn't stop here. This is Mark 10, but Luke tells us it happened the very eve of the Lord's crucifixion. Can you imagine that? And so they come to him and they say, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. How brazen. He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? I think he already knew what they were going to ask. And they said, uh, it's not that big of a deal. Um, we just want to be on the right hand and, and on the left hand. It doesn't matter. You know, James can be on the right. John, I'll be on the left. Or we don't care. James will be on the left and John on the right. Nope, you know, either way you want it. It's okay. It's okay. Just as long as we got those two seats, we're, we'll be good with that. Now, they've completely missed out on a lot of things Jesus has taught them leading up to this. He has already taught, this isn't the first time, he's already taught them that my kingdom is not like the kingdoms of the world. It's not based on self-advancement. It's not, it's not based on pride and power and strength and violence, all the things that made the Roman Empire be the Roman Empire. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. He started out the sermon on the kingdom by saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are pure in heart, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted. I mean, at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Kingdom, he established the ground rules for the upcoming kingdom, and it had nothing to do with power, nothing to do with violence, nothing to do with strength, nothing to do with with everything that makes kingdoms of earth run. And James and John come to him and they say, essentially, okay, since you're about to establish this kingdom, and we know how kingdoms work, uh, we know how they work, and um, we want to get on your coattails, and we want to be right there at the top. Maybe this is an appropriate time for us to talk about this, uh, since this is an election year. And, I mean, you see this happen. This happens every four, it happened four years ago. It happened eight years before that, especially when a new president comes into office, you know. You've got all this lobbying and positioning and all this stuff. It happens. This is the way kingdoms of the world work. You want to you wanna position yourself so that when your, your person comes into power, you can ride the coattails and you can get on the cabinet or you can get this appointment or you can get that. You just, it's just the way the world works. You want to do what you can do. You want to have relationships. You want to have these this kind of political relationships so that you are advanced. It's the way the world works. And that's what Jesus says. This is the way it works. This is the way the Gentiles do things. And it was the same way in the first century as it is in the 21st. This is the way the world works. And we talk about it on a national scale, on a political year, in an election year and all that. But this is the way, if you work in the corporate world, this is the way it works in your world as well. If you're in education, if you are in, even in nonprofits, if you're in churches, 
I was, I was reading, um, I was reading a passage from John Stott, and uh, and John Stott says, he says the world and even the church is full of Jameses and Johns, go-getters and status seekers, hungry for honor and prestige, measuring life by achievements and everlastingly dreaming of success. That's a quotation from John Stott. If this is the way human beings work, therefore it's the way the world works. It's just, you know this. Self-promotion, self-advancement. I want the best seat. I want people to know my name. I want the power. I want people to say about me that he or she is someone who gets things done. James and Don want what the world wants. So it doesn't surprise us, right? Maybe it surprises us because these guys are so close to Jesus. But again, I think Mark wants us to read this. He wants us to hear the discussion about the upcoming crucifixion and resurrection. He wants us to see the, just the stark contrast between that discussion and the one where James and John say, hey, we want the best seats. He wants us to be amazed by that. Maybe he wants us to laugh at that. Maybe he wants us then, I know he wants us to do this. He wants us then to say, to ask this. All right, please hear this. Because I, we can apply this to politics all day long. We can apply it to the corporate world all day long. Whatever sphere you'll, you'll go to tomorrow, principles of the world apply. It's easy to apply it there, all right? Not so easy for us to ask this question. These guys were so close to Jesus, and they still struggled with this. I wonder how, I wonder how I do. I wonder how you do when it comes to understanding that following Jesus doesn't work according to the rules of the world. For Christians, it's not about lobbying for power. It's not about getting the right seat. It's not about winning. Jesus says it is about, has always been about, and will always be about how many people can we serve? That is the kingdom way. Now I'll get there, I'll say more about that in just, in just a second. But just to hear what Jesus says to them. You know, he says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He's, he's talking about upcoming suffering. And James and John, flippantly, it seems to me, they say, yeah, yeah we're able. Of course we are. If we've got to endure a little bit to get to the top seats, yeah, well, we understand you don't get power without any kind of a struggle at all. But their goal, we're able, their goal is the power. Yeah, I know power doesn't come, you know, without a little bit of struggle, but, but we're ready. You know, we'll get through that, and then we'll be in power. As long as that's where we're going. Power. We want that. We want that. We want recognition. We want power. We want strength. And Jesus says, yeah, you're going to drink the cup. You don't know what that is, but you're going to drink it. You're going to get the baptism. You don't know what that baptism is, but you're going to experience it. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant. It's for those for whom it's been prepared. Verse 41, when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. You know why they're indignant? We know, we, I can answer this. It doesn't say right here, but I, I know the answer to this. Because of what happens later and what happens before. 
I'd like to say to you that the other ten were indignant because they were thinking, James, James and John, guys, how can you be so insensitive? He's been talking about his upcoming death. That is so insensitive. And the kingdom is not like that, James and John. The kingdom is not like that. It's not based on power. It's not based on, on, on money and strength. That's not, that's not what it's about. Don't you understand? Haven't you been listening to Jesus? I'd like to say that's what the other ten were thinking. You know that's not what they were thinking, right? You know what they were thinking? These guys beat us to it. That's what they were thinking. I guarantee you that's what they were thinking. They weren't, they weren't upset about the plan. They were upset that James and John got ahead of them in executing the plan. Peter's no different. The other guys are no different. They're all doing the same thing. They're all lobbying. It's just James and John got to the front of the line. And they're mad because they're afraid that the ones who got there first are going to get the appointments and they're going to miss out. That's why they're indignant. So don't read this as some sort of humble posture on, on the, on, in, in the lives of these other guys. That's not, what, that's not what this is. They're indignant because they are not at the front. So Jesus called them, verse 42, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the gen, this is the way the world works. That's all he's saying. This is the way it works. The great ones exercise authority over them. That, this is the way the world works. The way the Roman Empire worked, it's the way any empire, it's the way America works, it's the way, it's the way the UK works, it's the way the EU works, it's the way that any, any nation state works. This is the way it is, because it's the way humans work apart from living a different way. This is just the natural state of humanity. That's all he's saying. Okay, and then he gets to this. But not us. But not us. This is not the way we work. This is not the way the kingdom is going to work. Because we have a different principle. And so he says, verse 43, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life for a ran as a ransom for many. 43, 44, 45. This is the way the kingdom is going to work. And so maybe it's okay for me to apply this a little bit right now at this moment in our culture, in our, in our, in our own country. And we've said this before, and I know you believe this, but we need to be reminded of this. Maybe this is a good time for us to be reminded of this, that the kingdom of God, the success of God's kingdom is not based on political power. It's not based on winning. It is not based on getting the right folks in positions of power. The kingdom of God is based on me and you getting out there and serving and living this kind of life. That's what it's based on. And so we should never have... I mean, we're human beings, so we're going to have angst. But I want to encourage us as Christians to trust in the power of God working through His humble servants to accomplish His will in the world. This is the way He works. This is the way, the last 2,000 years, God does His greatest work in those moments 
when Christians recognize their calling to be servants. And so he says, he says, it's not going to be this way among you. Uh, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Uh, and, and then he sets himself forth as an example. And he says, this is how I come to you. I come as a servant, not as one to be served, to give his life, my life, as a ransom for many. And so he points ahead to the coming crucifixion. And he says, that is the model. Now notice our, our study today. If we include verses 32 through 34, which happened just prior to this, it's bookended by references to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and so he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and this is going to happen to me. And then they've got this, this interlude here, this discussion about power and strength and advancement and all this. And then he comes back and he says, that's not the way my kingdom works. And so where he started this discussion with the crucifixion is where he ends this discussion with the crucifixion in verse 45. And he says, see, this is the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. I meant to say something earlier and I, I didn't know that. I found this fascinating when I realized this um, this week. Um, only two times in the Gospel of Mark do you find the phrase um, on his right hand, how do they refer it, uh, the right hand, yeah, verse 37, your right hand and one at your left, that's verse 37, Jesus repeats it in verse 40, at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. One other time in the Gospel of Mark that phrase is used, you guys so jump out at you, you remember any time it's used? I didn't, remember, I didn't realize this. It's only used one other time, and that is in conjunction with the crucifixion of Jesus when they hung the two thieves, one at his right hand and one at his left hand. I don't think that's a coincidence that it's used here. James and John say, hey, we want to be on your right hand and on your left hand. And Mark later is going to use the same kind of language to talk about the two guys who were hung on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. And then here in our study, we've got the bookends of the crucifixion and the principle of the kingdom. And it's like, yeah, you want to be at my right hand and my left hand. Let me tell, let me tell you something. You know, what, you know what that means? It means you're going to experience, in, in order to accomplish my goals, you're going to experience the suffering that I'm... You're going to, you're going to have to go to the cross, in other words. Maybe not literally, but you're going to have to be willing to lay down your life and in the very doing of that thing, you then attain what you want and that is influence. But it's a different kind of influence. It's a servant influence. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, this is not something you didn't already know. I think we all know this. Uh, in, in Christianity, in, in the church, we, we know this principle is true. Living it out is a different thing though, isn't it? It's hard. Appreciate Murph's prayer. Uh, and, and he said something in that prayer <clears throat> about this is the hardest thing we do, and I think he's right on that. This is the hardest thing, because this goes against nature. It goes against uh, instinct. Uh, we, we, this is the way, in the flesh, this is the way we work. We work according to selfish goals and desires. We want to advance our, our own causes. We want, to, we want to get to the top. We want to be at the chief seat. We want our name to be known. We want to have influence. We want people to pat us on the back. We want people to talk about how accomplished we are. And even in the church, we sometimes get involved in this kind of thinking, this fleshly thinking that, 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 that reflects this notion 
that God's purposes depend on power and advancement. And Jesus says, no, they don't. God's, God does His will when the church realizes its opportunity to influence culture is based on our serving one another and serving the world and loving neighbor. That's what it's based on. <clears throat> Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't, have to, you don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know Plato and Aristotle. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Thomas Akempis wrote that the devil is continually tempting thee to seek high things, to go after honors. Bernard of Clairvaux warned against ambition as a secret poison, the father of spite and mother of hypocrisy, the moth of holiness and a cause of madness, crucifying and disquieting all that it takes hold of. Well, but Jesus says it, of course, better than anyone. When he says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And he says, in essence, I am going to the cross, the ultimate act of service, to show you what that looks like. <clears throat> so back to our premise. Anxious times. Anxious times because of uncertainty, because of the unknown, perhaps, because of experiences we've had and experiences we're afraid we might have. How do we, how do we respond one of the best things we can do when we're anxious, when we're scared, when we become kind of obsessive about self, and we've all been there, is to find someone to serve. It's to do what Jesus says here. And so in conjunction, this is a good time where at the end of a year, at the beginning of another year, I, I, I'm challenging us as, as a church and as us as individuals, pray every day. Not, not just flippant, mindless prayer. I mean, get in your prayer closet, get away from people, get away from your devices, whatever, and find time to pray every day, every day. Not just most days, every day. Because if you, as we said, skip day, it's easy to skip two days, right? It's easy to skip three days. Do it every day. Find time every day for Scripture. Listen to the voice of God. And find time every day to get outside of yourself. There are so many people who are hurting, so many people who are struggling. Find one of them every day and serve. That can be very simple. It can be a text. It can be a note. It can be a call. It might be baking a cake. It might be taking a meal. It might be going to a hospital. It, it, might, be, it might be going to a funeral home. It, 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 lots of different ways. It can be something simple. Sometimes it's a bigger gesture. But, but it's something. The important, I think the, the important thing here is not what it is, but the fact that every day you take some moments and you read Scripture and you talk to the Father and then you serve the people He created. God works through these means of grace to bring about sanctification, to bring about transformation in our hearts and lives.
I want to challenge us. Take this thing seriously. Jesus is calling us to that. If you're not a Christian this morning, we invite you on His behalf to come to faith in Him, to accept the gift of salvation by faith. Confess Him as your Lord. Be baptized to receive God's Spirit as you receive the forgiveness of sins. We would be thrilled to help you in your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to come back to Him today. Uh, because you're, you've gotten distracted, you've gotten off, off base, off, off track this year, why don't you come back to him today? If you're online watching today, get, get in touch with us and uh, let us know what we can do to help. If you need to come forward now, let's stand. Let's sing. I hope you'll do that.